Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here with you. It's Brendan Tobin. I'm taking you up until around 11 o'clock. We're going to dive all over the world in mixed martial arts and boxing. Lots of happening. A lot going on yesterday. Had some boxing action. Uh, we got some UFC coming up this afternoon. That's always the rare one. We got the UFC on Sundays. And I never know when it's coming up on Sundays. I just assume everything is on Saturdays. It always confuses me with two things. Bellator, when they move to Saturday nights, I always think that's dumb because... People are just programmed to know Bellator is on Friday. I mean, most of the time you're suiting your core fan base, your hardcore fans, and I imagine you're more hardcore if you're watching Bellator regularly. So you assume it's going to be on Friday night. So when they do the switcheroo to Saturdays, even for the big cards, it always throws me off. And then when UFC does Sundays, that one also always throws me off. I always should probably start assuming it for holiday weekends. Because I know that's become a thing. And now when they've gone to Europe, this has been a thing in a while where they've been doing the Sunday afternoons, like 2 o'clock card. So we'll get uh, some Shogun Anthony Smith going on today. That'll be cool. And and uh, see where this light heavyweight thing really unfolds. There was some news that happened this week with Alexander Gustafsson, his opponent, Vulcan Uzdemir, who trains down here, uh, broke his nose in training. So Gus is in a bit of a, a holding pattern. I don't really know who they would go with for him to fight even as a replacement like unless you're going to give Gus some wacky heavyweight replacement I don't really know where they go it's it's an interesting one because you know Shogun Anthony Smith are fighting tonight so you know they're not going to be ready for that Glover to share Corey Anderson they're fighting so that division right now really just doesn't have a good alternate for it it's in a bit weird spot already because of the situation with DC being heavyweight champ, so their belt's tied up as as of right now with a guy who's really not going to fight. And so I suppose they could go and they could make something completely random, but I don't know what a good solution there is if you're looking at Alexander Gustafsson and he's looking to really solidify himself as the number one contender for light heavyweight. Who does he go with? Alir Latifi? Um, you know, he's it's it's really it's really a, a tough position for him so uh i do uh, i do feel a little bit for for gus and the fact that they don't really have a good solution right now but there has been mention you know maybe does a yoel romero go up there you know he's had apparently according to Aaron helwani some surgery so he's off the shelf we know luke rockhold's recovering that was the original plan was for him to fight gustafson he can't go so I, I really don't know what the great solution is there for Gustafson. Either somebody I feel like has to move up to really excite him, or um, maybe there's a jump to heavyweight. Other than that, I don't really know what they do there for 
UFC 227 as far as replacing Gustafson. But that was some tough news that came down this week. We will get a little bit more clarity as far as the light heavyweight division and where you know Shogun's going to stand after this and 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 does he does he take a jump? You know, he would have a winning streak going and you legitimately could talk about him I don't know if being in line for the title next, but if he wins, certainly is uh is not crazy to think that the old legend is going to start being in the conversation. So it's pretty crazy what we got going on this afternoon and something to keep an eye on. So last night we had some HBO boxing. Jaime Mangia was taking on Liam Beefy Smith and Smith gave it to Mangia early on. He, uh, he was bringing the young fella a little bit of those veteran tricks, uh, was exposing the 21 year olds lack of lack of defense, really hitting him and peppering him with that right hand early on stumbling a couple times. Don't know if it was a balance issue or if he really was stunning him with a little bit of power, but you know, Liam Smith was game. He, uh, he, he put forth a, a decent performance early on in that fight. It, it, it really just got away from him. Look, he was taking on a guy, a guy way bigger, uh, a guy who, who to the eye had a lot more power, um, could, could really, really put his combata- combinations together more, just through with more volume. And so eventually, even though the veteran was getting the best of the young fella early on in this fight, and I was actually in line with Kellerman. I thought that he took the first three rounds. Um, eventually, Mangia was able to rally, showed himself to to still, you know, be a a very very good prospect. Thought he was taking some uh some some undue criticism yesterday actually because, you know, you know th- you got to remember these guys are so young and a lot of the times the fact that they're just getting rounds is good for them that 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 they're in there and they're getting more experience and I thought that was the the case for Mangia. You know, this wasn't a bad thing that. He was in there with a game guy who, yeah, was stopped by Canelo Alvarez a couple of years ago. But just because he's got the goal of going to knock out a guy before Canelo did, it doesn't mean that his performance isn't impressive. He was very impressive, and I think it, he'll be better for it because it didn't start out all perfect. It doesn't look like it was a tailor-made fight for him. It doesn't look like he was put in there with a guy who was supposed to just go down immediately. He looked like he was in there with a real test. And I think that ultimately is going to make him a better fighter and is what made Canelo so great. You know, from a young age, Canelo Alvarez was getting in there with real tests. This is, you know, Canelo was 21 years old with 40 fights and was ready to take on the real deals. And that's the case with Mangia. He was, he's, he's starting to get into that, that, that waters of taking on the real deals. I mean, look, there was at one point he was kicked around to be the late replacement for Canelo Alvarez forget Eddie Golovkin and the commission shut it down. It was probably for the, for the best. You don't have to rush a, a crazy test like that. But the fact that it was even talked about shows you what people think about this kid's talent. And though he wasn't able to get the stoppage yesterday, Liam Smith is a very, very, very tough guy and was a game opponent early on. So I was impressed by it, most of all. Here's what I found weird, though. Because... There was a point of inevitability once that fight started getting, I don't know, till like the ninth, eighth, ninth round. We knew it was happening. It was turning. The scores weren't quite as, uh, I mean, they seemingly were out of hand because two judges only gave him a round. One judge had it a little bit closer. But, you know, to my eyes, it wasn't crazy out of hand, but you could tell what was happening. Like once, once we got to round five, is when things really, really turned. I think it was five or six where the knockdown occurred. And that was 
that was the real turning point. It really wasn't the same from there. And it was weird because, you know, so they had this fight beforehand where it was Alberto Machado versus Rafael Mensa, where he was, uh, Rafael Mensa, where he was taking on, they were taking each other on. Machado was much bigger uh, and was clearly winning the fight. And in the first round, caught Mensa with a right hook kind of out of nowhere and put him down the canvas. And I just found it weird because there was a little bit of swelling that was happening on Mensa's cheek as the fight was going on. But it was crazy because I would say from like round three on, Max Kellerman and Jim Lampley are like begging the, the fight to be stopped, begging it. And Roy Jones is like talking to him like, you guys crazy? What, 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 what is going on with you? He's a fighter. He's supposed to be in there. He's, he's, he's showing up to do his job. And like, well, you know, the damage that he's taken in there, Roy, like he, he could be much, it could, he's like, look, I don't disagree that the guy is getting whooped on, but you got to calm down. And they're like, they're, they're, they're ripping on the, the, the trainer, Stacey McKinley, like he should be out there getting ready to throw the towel. And as the fight's going on, Machado's throwing less, he's landing less, the shots are having less impact, and they keep mentioning this cheek, which they say is a broken jaw. I, don't, I didn't check what would happen afterwards if he did end up with a broken jaw, but, you know, he had some swelling in his cheek, it looked, it looked bad, but other than that, clear eyes, not cut, had his wits about him, and was game. Kept coming back at him. Wasn't landing a lot, wasn't putting combinations together. But he was going out like a true like a like a true boxer, man. He was going out there. He wanted to go the distance. They kept telling this story about the guy came from Ghana, 30 fights unpaid. And it's like, all right, so he's gotten here all this way. And you just want to stop it? Like he's taking some mauling. It wasn't a mauling. Like it wasn't like Mensa was out there and he was he was uh it was unsafe for him to be out there with Machado. It's a boxing match. And it almost looked like, it almost sounded like Kellerman and Lampley, like it was above their time to be calling this fight because they felt it to be so lopsided. And I don't know, it just felt weird to me because there wasn't one call of that in the other fight. And yeah, Liam Smith had a little bit of, had way more early success than Mensa did against Machado. You know, he was able to put it on me. But if anything... He was taking the more vicious shots, the crazier shots to the body, was getting broken down in a much more dangerous way. There wasn't one call for it from these guys who spent the entire undercard fight chirping about how the fight should have been stopped in round three. I just found it very, very odd. And it's weird to me because the HBO crew, you know, they get less and less reps. And, you know, Jim Lampley's a legend. The guy's been calling fights forever. And a lot of people like Kellerman. But to me, that crew has become the most unbearable to listen to in all of boxing. And that's crazy because HBO used to be the pinnacle of boxing broadcasting. The 24-7, the quality of their broadcast, all of that stuff. And I, I, I find myself getting infuriated listening to these guys. Because it's it's all just very, you know, Kellerman's so highbrow. Lampley's seen it all, done it all. He's spending half of the broadcast bitching about 
his stay at the Hard Rock, he's like, oh, you want a place where they're playing music all at the pool, or you want yourself an awkward... See, Jim, Jim, you're here, you're calling a fight. You're getting paid to call a fight. Sorry your free hotel stay wasn't up to snuff. I don't care, man. And that's, like, the fact that that broadcast, the, you know, Roy at one point was a bit of a rough listen. I love Roy Jones Jr., one of my favorite fighters of all time, but it was a rough listen. Now, I find it to be the best part of that broadcast, but the other two, I, I just find so unctuous. The both of them. The both of them. And it's crazy to me that HBO, the the industry staple, it, to me, it, it, it's maybe if it, you could put it behind ESPN or maybe barely above ESPN with their broadcast, which stinks. But like Showtime to me blows them out of the water when it comes to calling a fight and listening to a fight call. They're just so much sharper on it with, with Moro and... And, and Bernstein and Paulie Malignaggi, I think, is is one of the better in the game. Just, it was it was really, really rough to listen to with those guys yesterday. Anyway, I get off my soapbox for that. When we come back, got a lot of UFC news and notes that came in this week. A lot of fights getting announced. A lot of fights getting scratched because of injury. And also a very, very crazy situation with welterweight and the title picture. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury rolls on here this Sunday morning. A lot of things happening in the UFC this past week. We got uh, we got some we got a couple things that went down as far as health is concerned. Paige Van Zandt she underwent her second surgery on a broken arm. Uh, apparently, took some fra- I never even heard of she took some fragments from her hip to her arm to uh, replace it, but that's apparently. Still on on the recovery. We talked a little bit about Vulcan Uzdemir and how he is not ready to roll uh, when it comes to his fight. And Robert Whitaker is going to be out until 2019, reportedly, with a hand injury. So we won't be seeing the middleweight champ for a while, which will give that, you know, that division I do think needs a little bit of settling as far as a real number one contender goes. Yoel's had a couple cracks at it. Chris Weidman, Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, probably up top. I think Jacare Souza is going to be returning. I think they said he's returning against David Branch at MSG. So that's possible. You got Israel Adesanya, who is now really amongst those young guys who are starting to get in the cusp. He's in the top 10 now, as is Paulo Costa, who, who got pissed at Kelly Slater this week. How about this? Kelly Slater, yeah, the famous surfer who... <laughs> calls him out hard for the PED use on social media. And Costa did not care for this because, look, this Paulo Costa is a handsome man. I'm not going to mince words. He is beautiful. But he's also got a crazy physique. And he is, let's just say, if you look at him, doesn't pass the eyeball test if you think he's all au natural. But you never know. I don't know. I don't know who's using. I don't know who's not using. I mean, like, you know, Ben Rothwell got popped for PEDs. Look at him. He's not exactly Mr. Adonis. So you never quite know who is, who isn't. It's it's tough. But he got pissed at Kelly Slater, the former surfer, for, for, for throwing out such wild accusations. It was pretty crazy. But the biggest thing that happened in UFC this week, in my opinion, as far as news went, was the picture with the welterweight title. 
things got weird this week. Now, Ariel Helwani came out with a report, I think it was probably around Tuesday or Wednesday, that the UFC was discussing doing Darren Till against Tyron Woodley for the welterweight championship, which obviously every found, everybody found weird because is Colby Covington not the interim champion? Why is he not fighting for the undisputed championship? They wanted to make this fight for UFC 228. They don't have a main event yet for their fight card in Dallas. So they're looking, they're scrambling, but apparently Colby Covington, what they said was that he turned it down. This is from uh, Darren Till's mouth. He says that, that Covington turned down the fight and Helwani reported that there were there was talks that they were going to strip him. Now, mind you, Colby Covington is six weeks removed from becoming interim welterweight champion, a fight we all thought was weird to begin with. We thought that, you know, Colby fighting Rafael Dos Anjos for an interim welterweight championship was a little bit weird because, you know, Tyler Woodley fought four times the year before, seemed a little bit hasty to put up a 170 interim belt to begin with, but you did it. And this has become the problem with interim belts. You do it so often that you can't keep the champ and the interim champ in line, and then eventually you got to strip them. And that's what's crazy to me. Like, you put out these belts, and you want people to think they mean something, even if it's just a ticket to the number one contendership. We can't even rely on that anymore. I really, like, it's it's just, it, the belts are becoming so, so meaningless in the sport. But even if we're going to put belts aside, that welterweight division was a cluster bleed between all the contenders. You had the number one guy in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He was kind of blacklisted from a title shot because he fought Tyron Woodley twice. Fights were boring. Second one, Tyron won clearly. Arguable that he won both. There's no reason to do it. Ty, you know, Stephen Thompson's on the back burner right now. Then you had this kind of young crop that was there with Colby, Darren Till, Kamara Usman's making his way up. And then you got the old staples in Robbie Lawler and Rafael Dos Anjos. Robbie Lawler's out because Tyron Woodley knocked him out cold to win that belt. It's a hard fight to sell. Uh, even as badass as Robbie Lawler is, one of my favorite fighters, but it's just a tough sell in the argument of everybody else. RDA probably would have been deserving if he beat Coley, but he didn't. He got he got dominated. He got rough-shotted. Got his, knee, his ear nearly taken off in that fight. Um, Darren Till fought Steven Thompson. Missed weight. Missed it bad. Really bad. Remember? Went blind when he was cutting weight for that fight. The guy who said it's probably illegal for me to be fighting at welterweight. So he had some proving to do in my eyes. And Usman is, I think, starting to just get into the fringe. I think he'll be there quickly. I mean, the guy is unbelievably talented. But to me... It's a little bit soon for him to be in that title shot right now. He just needs he needs to get one, if not two more, to really be in that contendership with those guys. And so Colby's win over RDA, to me, solidified him as number one contender. You could take the belts out of it if you want to. I mean, that that's a prop that the UFC decided to put there. But all in all, 170 needed some clarification. We needed to find out who was the number one guy there. And... Colby not only put a great performance forth with the guy that everybody thought was going to whoop his ass in RDA, 
but he did it in dominant fashion. He made weight and did it on a huge stage. And on top of that, this is even with merit, has a built-in rivalry with Tyron Woodley. The guys hate each other. Tyron finally bit on a fight that he liked with an actual welterweight contender because, look, for a year, Tyron Woodley has been jockeying for a McGregor fight, a Diaz fight, a GSP fight, anybody that wasn't a contender at welterweight. And I gave Tyron a little bit of a pass on it because there was a bit of a muddied picture at 170, but not anymore. There's a clear number one contender. So they come out with Colby, and they're like, hey, Colby, we want you to fight in September. And he's like, "Mm, nah, I want to fight in November, December. I want to fight at the end of the year. And they're like, well, (laughs) we need to go. We need need immediately to then then go and fix. It's like, man, first of all, there's a couple things here. One, the fact that the UFC has way too many cards, that they got to fill all these cards with title fights, You got titles tied up with Daniel Cormier. He has two of them tied up. You have guys who are hurt, Robert Whitaker. Then on top of the fact that you have a fight card coming up this next month with two title fights. So I know that they're really keen on putting title fights together. They want to put two title fights on cards when they don't think it's going to sell well. Look. This upcoming card with TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt rematching on top of Mighty Mouse and Henry Cejudo rematching, you might as well just take one of them and put them on UFC 228. Now, I know they can't now, but if they're so keen on doing titles, they should have just done that. And this idea that you are going to blow Woodley versus Colby Covington is a huge mistake. Like, it's to me... Colby versus Tyron Woodley right now. There's not a lot of fights the UFC has that will really, really get fans, I think, behind guys that aren't like the huge names with McGregor and Brock Lesnar and DC and John Jones. I don't even know if I should be putting DC in that category. Those guys have a genuine rivalry. Like, I think that rivalry between them could be the next Daniel Cormier versus John Jones. That's how much they hate each other. And you're going to blow that because you got to fill up UFC 228 with a title fight between Woodley and Darren Till. And Till does not deserve that shot, man. I'm sorry. He doesn't. He doesn't. Look, his fight over Donald Cerrone was tremendous. It was a great performance. But we are starting to see with Donald Cerrone that the wear and tear is getting really, really noticeable. So you had a guy way bigger than Donald Cerrone, bully him, cracked him. Great. You want to know something? Beat the legend. That's fine. I don't know if it warrants a title shot. Then you had this next fight against Steven Thompson where, you know, you had a guy miss weight by a lot, say he went blind in the weight cut, and then on top of that, didn't really clearly beat Steven Thompson. It wasn't like this dominant, clear-cut performance. That was a very close fight. Not, Not an exciting fight either. Very calculated, very measured, a lot like when, when Stephen Thompson fought Tyron Woodley. We realize I'm not I'm not trying to tell Till I'm not trying to say that it's not a difficult I know that's a difficult test that Till had to face, but it wasn't exact nobody watched that fight with Darren Till and exactly said title shot. In fact, Darren Till himself said, 
I need a couple more fights after that one. And, like, so it's weird to me that the UFC finds it necessary to strip Colby Covington and put Tyron Woodley in there with Darren Till, a huge test, where he could lose, and then you're going to lose the Colby Covington fight. It's stupid. It's so short-sighted. It makes no sense to me. But we finally have a perennial number one contender at welterweight, a, an opponent that Tyron Woodley actually wants to face, a guy he actually can get some heat with and actually build a rivalry that may make people care about Tyron Woodley. And they're just like, yeah, but we got to fill Dallas. He's got to fight Darren Tells. Why? 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 Why is that necessary to do that? You don't know if Till's going to make weight. Almost died making 170 the last time, according to him. Or literally went blind temporarily. And so you have a a 50-50 shot that this guy's going to make 170. On top of the fact his last performance didn't warrant a title shot. On top of the fact that you have a number one contender at welterweight. On top of the fact the champion actually hates him and has heat with him. I just don't get it from any angle. It doesn't make sense to me. Colby can fight in a couple months, and you don't want to do that fight. You'd rather have the Till fight. It's stupid, man. Makes no sense. Put some token belt, whoever it is, on that card. Chris Cyborg. Uh, I don't even know who the women's flyweight champion is. Put her there. Um, and And then just, you know, if you really want to do a fight, Put Till versus Usman on that card. If you want a real welterweight scrap, two guys, two two studs who absolutely are looking like the future of the division, put them on that. I mean, you get an awesome welterweight fight, but but the you know the the what the, him versus Till makes no sense. Have those two fight and see which one of them has the next claim at the shot at the title. That's what you should do. This one doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It's stupid. It's a dumb idea by the UFC to do that. I, I really, like, I, it floored me seeing them. Like, well, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You guys pulled the trigger on an interim fight. And you realized timing might be off a little bit. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but we're going to do this. You get a number one contender established. And then you decide, you know, he decides eight weeks is the difference. We're going to throw this all away for a fight that makes no sense. It's weird. It's weird to me that they would want to do that. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, we're back, guys. <laughs> so I got I to gotta mention this funny moment that happened yesterday in the uh, Mangia Liam, uh, Liam Smith fight. So they cut. They're about to go to, I think, like the 10th round. And they cut. They keep going to uh, Mangia's grandmother. She's in the stands. And then they go the, They go between rounds 10 and 11. Grandma's got the teeth out. Just the whole set. Whole set. Bottom row. Just hanging there as she's uh, adjusting for the applause. It was something. That was That was definitely something to watch yesterday. Um, so a couple of things as far as boxing is concerned, we had the announcement this week, 
Anthony Joshua is going to be facing Alexander Povetkin in October. It's going to be broadcast on the zone as we continue to have to put our resources as boxing fans all over the place. Streaming services are getting much more popular. I don't mind the uh, the ESPN Plus. I've, I've, I have subscribed to that just because I know UFC is coming to that. Uh, the boxing broadcast, it all is pretty seamless there. But, uh, man, it is, it is getting dispersed all over the place. I, I just wonder how much longer the premium cable channels are going to hold out, which will obviously uh, make up for all the costs there. But it is it is getting spread throughout. As far as Joshua fighting Bavetkin, it, it, it's very ho-hum to me. What i really like to see from Joshua out of this performance is uh, I'd really like to see him just come out and have something a little bit more exciting, get people buzzed about him. I do feel like Anthony Joshua, after that Klitschko performance, he's fallen a little bit flat. You know, one of them wasn't really his fault. The Carlos Takam fight was was a, a late a, a late replacement. He got headbutt and got his nose broken in the middle of that fight. So it wasn't that great. The fight shouldn't have been stopped. I'll tell you that much. Like it's going to go down. I think as like a tenth round stoppage. I don't even know why the ref stopped it. it, it he he was fine. Carlos Takam was fine that entire time. And then the Joe Parker fight. It was it was it was fine. It was it was fine. Like it probably got ripped more than it deserved, but it wasn't. One of these fights, I think that we were hoping for. We did, we thought that, oh man, these two two champs going at it. Like this is this is absolutely legit. This is going to be an all timer. And I thought it fell flat a little bit. And here's the reason why I think now it's important for Joshua to go out and and have these big performances because uh, he's officially in the zone where he's fighting people nobody care about. Because, and, and that's not to take away from Povetkin, who who is fine, but. Everybody now wants Anthony Joshua to fight Deontay Wilder. This isn't territory to be fighting a Povetkin or Jarrell Miller, who, I, who I'm a huge fan of. Everybody just has the one fight they want. It's him versus Wilder. And so the fact that that fight's not happening, the fights need to be exciting. This can't, this can't be this case where we're going out there, we're having fights you don't care about, and they're also not entertaining. It needs to it needs to be one or the other to make people continue to glam on and want to watch you. And that's why I think it's risky for these guys to put off the fight as much as they are with all the politics that's going on back and forth. They they think there's going to be some some grand golden pot at the end of this where their fight's going to be bigger than ever. And I don't necessarily know if it's going to be. First of all, they're fighting in a very risky division where everybody hits hard and there's a chance that they can get put on the canvas and some bad things can happen. And so I think that Joshua do this. They're talking about maybe the, uh, one more fight and then fighting in the spring, fighting Wilder. I hope that's the case because I do think this becomes one of those things where it's dragged. First of all, I don't even understand why two guys who have – one guy has the vast majority of the belts, but the other guy has the other belt. I don't understand – how the other sanctioning bodies wouldn't put Deontay Wilder as the mandatory for Anthony Joshua. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't – and I, look, I, I, I full – part of this is I don't want to know because I think it's cockamamie and it, and it makes no sense and, and it makes your head hurt. But if I had a belt if – I, if I was a sanctioning body and I had belts and – I had and and the guy actually listened to what I said because he says I want to keep my belts. I got to find my mandatory. 
how every one of those bodies doesn't have Deontay Wilder as their number one guy, their number one mandatory, is crazy to me. How you wouldn't want your belts to have the most legitimacy is weird to me. So that's just something to look out for. Uh, there wasn't there was a fun altercation with Jarrell Miller at the press conference where he was saying a lot of bad words to Anthony Joshua that I can't repeat on the radio. Um, but they were questioning manhood. And a lot of people look at Jarrell Miller and they think he's a joke. I'm telling you, I'm a big, big fan of this guy, his last performance. I, there's just something about that body. You know, he is a monstrosity. He's over 300 pounds, former kickboxer, but he throws more punches than, like, anybody in the division. So I'm just curious about that volume, can't be bullied. It's it just it's something very intriguing to me. He's very marketable. He's got a big mouth. Um, and he pulled a car. Like, look, he also he always calls Shannon Briggs his uncle, uh, two, Brooklyn, two Brooklyn guys. And he pulled that move this week where he 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 stole the show at that press conference. Everybody afterwards wasn't talking about Joshua Povetkin. They were talking about Jarrell Miller, Big Baby Miller, calling out Anthony Joshua. That was a big move by him to, to steal some shine in a big moment where they're launching this network. And maybe that will be the next fight after this. I think it. if you're not going to do Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua, that's a fight I'd like to see. I'd like to see Joshua fight an American from Brooklyn, maybe do it over here, have his American debut. I don't know. Just get him introduced over here a little bit to a live crowd, see what that reaction's like, just test the waters of it. Um, I thought I thought Jarrell Miller really, really did himself a big service this week. And I'm telling you, that guy's going to be problems. It's just, I know you look at him and you think, ah, he's 300 pounds, is sloppy, it's not going to work. You could say that his striking probably is crisp and the volume that he comes with is is up there with a lot of guys in that division it's just it's very skilled he trains all over the place mixed martial arts boxing kickboxing just he bring, he's bringing a very diverse toolbox and a very very different package to that fight and so i just wonder what that can do i want to see what that can do against the elites speaking of shannon briggs big announcement the champ is over in london this week and announced on his Instagram that he is he is going to have a fight announcement this week. So we may find out who the champ will be in the ring with next. He has not fought since May of 2016 when he TKO'd Emilio Zarate in London. That was on the uh, the David Hay card where Hay screwed him and then backed out. He said he was going to fight Shannon Briggs and then never did. He got into a, a clash with Tony Bellew. So... That's something. Speaking of Bellew, he also uh, he got himself a call out. Um, Alexander Usyk just won the undisputed cruiserweight championship of the world and won the uh, Muhammad Ali Trophy, which is cool. Lonnie Ali presented the trophy to Usyk in the uh, in the ring, and uh, it was a very cool moment. And Tony Bellew, the former cruiserweight, who's uh, who's been in heavyweight regularly now, he wants to uh, he wants to fight. He wants to fight. Usyk, so I think that'd be an interesting, a uh, little interesting matchup if that can come down the pipe soon. Uh, Robin Hollywood texts in. He says, Tobin, what are your thoughts on Brian Ortega? I want to see Brian Ortega fight. This will be a uh, an interesting come up because next week we have UFC in Calgary, which is a really, really fun card. Dustin Poirier is taking on Eddie Alvarez. Jose Aldo is taking on Jeremy Stevens. Joanna and Jacek is taking on Tisha Torres. And 
this thing with Max Holloway is going to be very interesting because he is the featherweight champ. Brian Ortega was supposed to fight him. Got into a little bit of a tiff with Dana White as far as compensation was concerned. They tried to make him fight Jeremy Stevens on short notice. And he said, no, he only wants to fight for the belt. And I understand Brian Ortega wanted to make that fight happen. It was a huge step forward. I mean, first, uh, known as a submission guy, purely he's got the best submission game in that division. And then he comes out and he knocks out Frankie Edgar. First guy to ever stop Frankie Edgar. So it's 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 just such a feather on your resume that a lot that nobody else has. So I thought he really really took that next step. I think uh, I like his personality. He's very very laid back. He's got a cool look, and I'm curious to see what this what lies ahead for him. Now, the big thing is going to be Max Holloway. What is up with Max Holloway and his health? There were uh, reports that he that he overwaterloaded this week. That there was problems with the weight cut. And that was the big result as why. He wasn't able to make it. It is concerning because Max has had injuries. He's had weight cutting issues. We know, you know, obviously you give him a pass on the Khabib thing because he tried to take that fight on six days' notice. It was a crazy amount of weight, and then the commission wouldn't let him do it. So, either way, in that in that regard, it seems like Max Holloway needs to change the way he's cutting weight, um, just so it's not so dicey that a commission could stop it. Uh, but it's a hard weight. Max Holloway's five eleven. That's a that's a tough weight for a hundred and forty five pounder to make. And if he's unable to go, if this is a thing that looks like it's going to be lingering, because they talked about concussion like symptoms, and they wouldn't, they didn't really understand why. If that's the case, and Max can't go, then I think this weekend is going to be huge between Jeremy Stevens and Jose Aldo, because I think especially if Jeremy Stevens wins. Could we see Jeremy Stevens versus Brian Ortega for the interim belt? I think that could be a possibility. Um, otherwise, I think he waits. I think he waits it out and sees what the hell goes on with uh, with Max Holloway and when the hell Max Holloway is going to come back. But, yeah, I, I, if Max Holloway doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon, I think that the way he goes, Jeremy Stevens versus Jose Aldo. And I think Stevens is going to get the win this weekend simply because Jose Aldo, look, he just – he looks a little bit weathered. He's a guy who's taken a lot of a lot of fights. He's been knocked out now in three out of four. So I you know, he gets in there with a guy of of Jeremy Stevens caliber, who who obviously is a, a hellacious, hellacious shot, who can put you out, put the lights out. And we've seen the lights been put out of Jose a lot lately. So for me, I think that he's got the movement now. Jose can be a little bit more well-rounded if he can if he can bring the kicks if he can really make Jeremy Stevens think twice about walking him down, you know maybe he finds a path there. Which is you know we haven't seen that from Jose Aldo in a long time. It feels like he's been a very very one-dimensional fighter for a while now, and I don't think a Jose Aldo in in today's day and age is good enough to beat guys just with his hands. So. If we see Jose Aldo bring the kicks out, we saw him a little bit more against Max Holloway in the rematch, but not what he used to be. Not not the guy who who really just made everybody question their life decisions coming in on him. But I think I, I got to go with Stevens. I just I've seen more success from him recently. I don't have great faith that we're going to see that from Jose. I just think that we have seen a bit of a diminished product when it comes to a guy who is regarded as the number one pound for pound fighter on the planet. 
The one I'm really interested in is the main event. Eddie Alvarez doesn't Poirier. I mean, come on. It's got, first of all, the fight that these guys had before Eddie Alvarez had the bad knee on, on Dustin Poirier and the fight was eventually stopped. This fight is so exciting to me at 155. I think Dustin Poirier, if he if he wins this fight, you have a real, real you have to have a real discussion about him being in the title picture. You have to. And I know he's not the sexiest out of all these guys between Kevin Lee, between Tony Ferguson, between Conor McGregor and Khabib. But Dustin Poirier, his his lightweight record is tremendous. It really, it, it's been something to behold. I mean, a guy who has been in there with Conor McGregor, he, 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 got, he got bludgeoned up by him at 145 pounds, and he made the move up, and his only loss is a fight against Michael Johnson, and those guys had an absolute, just an absolute barn burner, and Michael Johnson put the lights out on him. But even still, I mean, the fights that this guy's been in with, the performances that he's put forth, since moving up from the Conor McGregor loss, which was four years ago, he's been tremendous. It's just to say a guy who would be see seven one and one in his last four years, if he wins this fight, would be eight one and one. Who can who holds a candle to that right now? And we don't really know what Tony Ferguson's situation is. I think if Tony gets back into the fold. Does it then go Dustin versus Tony? Is that the next possibility? Or does Khabib and Conor, does that happen? That's the interesting thing. We're going to find out a little bit more this week because Conor McGregor is doing court and he's reportedly, according to TMZ, going to take a plea deal and he'll avoid jail time. So if we get that Khabib versus Conor matchup, that's obviously the fight to make. I mean, it's no question. The guys hate each other bus incident um we've been waiting for that match a long time it's it's clearly deserved but i'm telling you dustin poirier if he beats eddie alvarez there's really nothing else out there for him until that title shot maybe a fight with tony ferguson if tony's looking for an in-between but dustin is at this point right now it's like and here's the weird thing about it Dustin is so anonymous amongst this group of colorful character guys, Tony, Connor, Khabib, Kevin Lee, but his his style is very, very exciting. We can't go out here and say that Dustin Poirier is like a Damian Maya, where Damian Maya needed eight straight wins to even consider him for a title shot. It shouldn't be the case with Dustin Poirier. If Dustin Poirier was at welterweight, he'd definitely be a number one contender. If Dustin Poirier was at featherweight, he'd be a number one contender. If he was at middleweight, come on, he'd probably get two title shots by now. If he was at any other weight class other than the best weight class on the planet, he would be a bona fide number one contender for a title shot. But he is in the deepest division, the most colorful division, and he's in the division with Conor McGregor which is always a big hurdle. And it's a guy in Connor he's lost to, even if it wasn't a different weight class. So that's the only hurdle. The hurdle is just the, the weight that he fights at. His credentials speak for themselves. And I think he is going to get the win this week against Eddie Alvarez. I thought he was on the way there, even with the 
the knee that was going down, illegal or not, if the tide was turning in that Eddie Alvarez fight. I, I just feel like he's primed for this one. He is. He's absolutely primed for this one. And Eddie, you know, Eddie had a really nice performance against Justin Gaethje. That is the uh, that's the common opponent they both had. That was for the 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 title of most violent in the UFC. And both these guys had really really fun fights with Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje makes fun fights. The question is, you know, from Eddie's standpoint, Eddie kind of got to that pinnacle. He was the champ. He's been to every mountaintop. And to me, Dustin is still just that hungry lion who is is still just looking for that big, big target, that big signature moment in his career. And I think this is going to be that. I think this could be the launching point. He, he comes out and he has a stud performance against Eddie Alvarez. He is going to be undeniable. And it's just going to be a matter of time for him. So that's going to be a very, very interesting thing to see. Um, Yana JJ's going to be interesting to watch. She's taking on Tisha Torres. Did they both train it? How did that work this week? Did they both train at ATT? Because Tisha did some training at ATT, didn't she? Because I know Yolanda has been training at ATT. I wonder what went down there. That's an interesting uh, little thing. But good matchup, fun matchup. And will be interesting to see, Yolanda, you know, what the, uh, the talks will be like from her this week because she, uh, you know, lost to Rose the way she did, got beat very badly, has lost twice. And doesn't really seem to be coming to grips with the loss. You know, is is kind of in denial that Rose is better than her or has been better than her on both those nights. So be interested to see what kind of Yoana and J-Chick we got next week. Uh, and then as far as boxing care concerns, we'll get some picks out. Mikey Garcia is taking a Robert Easter Jr. for the in a lightweight unification bout. I'm going to go with Mikey Garcia. Luis Ortiz returns to the ring since his loss to Deontay Wilder. I think he'll pick up the win. Um... And then we got Dillian White, Joe Parker going down over London. And I'm going to go with Dillian White. I'm going to go with the Wolf, man. I think he's going to get the win over Joe Parker. He's uh, he's been he's been looking real hungry lately. Uh, had a sensational win over Lucas Brown, who's also returning next week over in Australia. But uh, but I, I think Dillian White gets the win this upcoming week. So that's our show for this week, man. If you, uh, if you like the show, you can download the podcast, subscribe on iTunes. We'll be back same time, same place next week. And of course, you know, uh, you can find me all over the lineup this week on the ticket. So everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. Greg Leggett's coming up next, and we'll see you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.